Welcome to Things That Will Help with Buffy Barfoot. This podcast explores what it's like to be human and how to find tools to feel clear, grounded, and happier. The weekly theme will be simple as well as rich and something you can apply to your real life. The human stories ahead do not negate the hard or the dark, but rather point to the lighthouses along the way. This is Buffy. There are three things that I say now out loud in my relationships that have changed the quality of my interactions with the people that I love the most. And they're simple, they're game changers, and they're easy to remember. And today I want to share them with you because I think they might be helpful, they might be applicable to you. And I've mentioned at least a couple of these already in past episodes, just in passing, but I think they deserve their own island because of how much they can change the relationship dynamic. The first couple of expressions or jewels that I want to talk about um, today came from Brene Brown, who I think has such a gift at making really complicated, human, um, complex things relatable and really simple to understand. And I owe a lot of personal light bulbs that I've had over the years to her work, to Brene Brown's work with vulnerability and her work with self-discovery. Um, so thank you to Brene Brown for these jewels that I'm about to talk about, because two out of three of them come from her. The first one is around the sticky topic of apology, which is typically a difficult one for most of us. It certainly is for me. Uh, Most of the time, I'm a person who overly apologizes and apologizes for things that I shouldn't even be sorry for, Um, kind of tripping over myself. And that tends to lead to a cycle of regret and feeling misunderstood and frustrated, And you may be in an entirely different category, um, which is fine because this still applies. I think this is still helpful regardless of what end of the spectrum you fall on. So here's the jewel. Say thank you after receiving an apology. (laughs) That's it. Just thank you. When someone has hurt me and they are self-reflective enough to give a heartfelt apology, my tendency is to say, oh, it's okay, no big deal, it's totally fine, or I didn't even really notice, Um, da-da-da-da-da, you know, and kind of shuffle them along because I I don't want to cause ripples. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, don't worry about me, I'm I'm good. And I actually have now just started pausing for the whole apology. I don't interrupt them. Um, I allow it to be a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit hairy. And I try to look them squarely in the eye. And I let a moment go by of nothing, which feels super hard. And then I say thank you. So I'm sure this is not new. But I heard it for the first time on a two-part podcast many months ago that Brene Brown did on apology. And it was a lot of deep discussion on forgiveness and apology and how to be heartfelt and all the, the complexities, the human things that are intertwined 
with feeling sorry or forgiving someone. But this one jewel is what stuck out to me, and it's the one that I kept and I put into regular practice. It's usually the simplest things that are the most profound, and I've discovered that over the years, I hold on to something that's really simple to practice and becomes like kind of a well-worn record that I can just do again and again, and it really works because of the simplicity. It's easy to remember and, and, and pretty easy to implement. Also, this practice, doing this practice, saying thank you, it doesn't mean that it's not okay. It doesn't mean even that you cannot say that it's okay at some point later in the layers of the conversation. But how you begin when you receive that apology, that attention is so potent just to say thank you. And what's, what it's done for me is it's made me stop him hawing around and it stopped me from making it okay for people to walk all over me. Here's the thing, though. The people that are apologizing, they don't tend to love it. And it's slightly uncomfortable because they would really prefer you to say, it's okay, it's okay because it lifts the guilt. I prefer people to say that when I'm apologizing. It's okay, Buffy, it's all right. It gives us permission not to truly own the weight of our actions. Um, (laughs) Here's the bad news with this. If you do this practice, if you are consistent about this, then it has to be reciprocal. So if you do this with your loved ones, if you say thank you when they apologize, then you should hope that they do this to you. I've been modeling this for my kids, and and I haven't seen them model it back yet, but I know they're going to. Someday I will do something hurtful. I will say, I'm sorry, and they will look at me and say, thank you. And I hope they will. And I know it will also be more difficult for me because something in us really wants to hear right away after we've done some harm, that it's okay. And because we want to hear that first, because it pushes the human, hard, evolutionary, sludgy part of our growth, it pushes it right off the plate. And it sort of gets us off the hook when we hear that first. Like, oh, they're, they're fine. I, it, I didn't really cause harm. But unfortunately, it only does that at the expense of the one that we've harmed. And so then they internalize it and push it down into the tissues of their body. And it becomes part of their architecture and their trauma that they have to sort through later. And that's really what we're hoping to avoid and what we're hoping to evolve from. So the first time that Otis will look at me and say, thank you after I tell him I'm sorry for something, will both make me proud of him. (laughs) It will probably also make me want to throw up. It's totally worth it to me. It's worth it because I'm in this for the growth and the repair. I'm interested in those kind of relationships. And that means the growth and repair for everybody that I love. If you've been listening to Things That Will Help podcast all along, 
you'll probably remember Charlie from my stillness episode. And Charlie was the boyfriend many years ago that that slept with someone else and she wore my pink bathrobe and I had a dream about it. And so I learned that I not only had psychic abilities, apparently, but I also learned that I was in a relationship with somebody that was cheating on me. So anyway, go back to that episode if you haven't listened. It's about the gift of being still and what we can learn from that. But what I don't think that I talked about in the stillness episode was that years later, Charlie was back in Colorado to visit his family, and he asked to have coffee with me. And he sat across from me, and he sobbed. He wept. And he talked about how he'd been to therapy, and he'd learned so much, and now he was in a very healthy relationship with a woman that he he really treated well, and that looking back, he realized how much harm his gaslighting had caused. And it was a really good thing what he was owning. But I, I did, I think, both myself and Charlie a disservice that day. I stopped him. Because his crying made me feel sad and uncomfortable. And ultimately, his crying felt unnecessary. Because the truth was, is that I had really healed And I had moved on, so I guess it it felt kind of too late. So I stopped him. I stopped his apology. And I said, it's okay, it's okay. I'm really fine. I'm good. I'm happy. And I'm relieved to have a different life now. But what I know now is that I should have had the courage to hold the space and look at him and just say, thank you. I should have paused and heard the whole damn thing and then said thank you because I think it it would have closed a circle of healing. But of course, we all know this, we get our teachers and our little pillars of spiritual wealth when we get them, uh, when we're ready for them. And so I just say thank you now. Thank you to Charlie and also thank you to the lucky that I'm in the life I am now because it's glistening with an authenticity that really now belongs to me. Okay, the second little phrase that has changed my relationships with the people that I love is this. The story that I'm telling myself is (laughs) dot, dot, dot. So I'm an overreactor. I am by nature and by passion a storyteller, and I have a very, very good imagination, and that really works well for me in terms of writing and art and work and teaching, but this imagination does not tend to serve me so well in terms of the gray space, the space in relationships that happen when we don't know why somebody is giving us the cold shoulder or why they're acting a little bit funny, or ghosting us, something like that. I create wild stories of betrayal and loss and why they stopped liking me, and you name it. I have a tall tale for it, and I I tend to fill in the gaps with a lot of wild things that aren't usually true, or sometimes a little true, but not as true, not as... um, 
not as uh, kind of a wild of a tale as I as my brain likes to go with. But now I've learned something simple that helps. When I find myself doing this, I try and go right to the heart of the feeling. And I say out loud to the person I'm telling myself stories about, the story I am telling myself is, insert wild narrative, the story I'm telling myself is that since you had a long pause after I asked you if you liked that article that I wrote, that you hate it and now you think I'm a terrible writer. The story that I'm telling myself is that you've not called in almost two years because when I had a second baby, you decided my life was too complicated and messy. The story that I'm telling myself is that you're mad at me for not being a more present friend to you when you lost your job. The story that I'm telling myself is that you think I'm not doing enough for our organization and I need to do more to help others. The story that I'm telling myself is is that you wish I was around more to help you since the loss of your husband and that you're resenting me for that. So these are all just little examples. And what I've discovered is that sometimes the story I'm telling myself is correct or it's partially correct. And then it gives that person a chance to say, yep, that's right. I am feeling that way. But then at least there's a place to go and there's a place to repair and it's aired out. It's named so that it becomes more conscious between the two of us. And it's right there on the table. But often the answer is, oh, my gosh, no, I'm not mad at you at all. I've just been been overrun with things in my own life and I I haven't had the bandwidth to reach out. The story I am telling myself clears the palate for conversation, for real conversation and honesty, and it aborts the imagination where the imagination is not helpful. My mom and Matt and I were so tickled the other night because we were talking about we were talking about Matt's results on Insight, which is this personality and assessment test that he took for his work. And the results are, are incredibly detailed and precise, and I, I just could not believe I was blown away at how spot on it was about him. Well, we got down to the part about when you're dealing with Matt things that you shouldn't do. Like these are the things not to do if you're around Matt was like actually what it said. (laughs) Number one was get overly excited or emotional. Well, we were, we were just howling because I'm certainly that I'm certainly overly excited and emotional. And so I know it's sort of hard for Matt and it tends to challenge him because I can get really wounded and, and carried away. And then my mom told me a story about when I was in fourth grade, told us a story. We we're still sitting there and we, we were, we were being soft about ourselves. All of us were sort of doing some self analyzation and, um, and we were, we were kind of looking at ourselves in a really humorous, sweet way, which is, which is always a good way to look at, um, how you evolve and self-discovery. And she started, mom started telling a story about, about when I was in fourth grade, Mrs. Cranch's class, 
and I came home and I said, <laughs> Mrs. Cranches screamed at me. And my mom, <laughs> my mom said, Mrs. Cranches screamed at you. And I said, well, she fussed at me. And mom said, Mrs. Cranches fussed at you? And I said, well, she looked at me like she was going to fuss at me. I think she was mad at me. So Matt got tickled too because he's seen me do this in thousands of scenarios. But when I do that, it's because it actually felt that way to me. It felt like she screamed at me. And that's why this little sentence has been such a big help. The story I am telling myself is, it demystifies the parts of the imagination that are doing us harm and making us feel more isolated. And worst case scenario, your story is correct. But it's now cracked open the conversation and you're repairing simply by naming what's actually happening in the relationship. So then that becomes a whole body yes. Okay, number three. This is the one I have not had quite as much practice with, but I read it somewhere in a meme and I wrote it down and it's been rattling around in my brain and heart and it keeps coming up as helpful. When someone is swirling hard, spinning around and can't seem to ground, sometimes this is me and sometimes this is somebody I love, to say, to look at them and say, do you want comfort or solution? So the person holding the space knows how to be helpful. Are we building something new together, you and me? Are we reframing and renovating the guts of an old idea, an old and wounded way of thinking? Or do you just need a slow hug and a cup of tea and a place to lose your mind out loud? These are very different roles, very different pants to wear for the first responder at the scene, for the one that's holding the space. And one could feel helpful to the person who's swirling, one of these choices, while the other choice might feel really irritating if you're wanting the other. And of course, we've all heard the age-old discussion that women need to vent and men like to come up with a concrete solution And I believe there's some truth to that, but I also think that we're all much, 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 much more nuanced and more tender than the gender boxes and formulas that now feel really ancient and outdated, like from the 80s. Like the men are from Mars, women are from Venus style uh, paradigms, those just feel uh, like that's not where we are anymore. There are certainly some times when Matt needs to swirl just for the sake of the swirl, And when my urge is to rush in and to fix the innards of his problems kind of swiftly. Okay, here's something. Sometimes we don't know what we want when we're in the swirl. Sometimes the answer is, well, I want comfort now for an hour while I scream and wail. And then I want you to help me put my pants on and find a better way to experience this. I want you to not rush to solution, but point to it from your chair after I've carried on a while being unreasonable and sensitive and exaggerating the hell out of this thing that seems really tiny to you. This tiny thing 
is stuck on me and I need to kind of, I need to rattle around in it a while aloud. In order for it to change form, I have to holler a little bit. Maybe you do too. Because if you rush me to solve it before I have hollered, then I'll feel incomplete and stifled. But what this does, this do you want comfort or solution question, is it gives the first responder a map, a place to start, a place where they're not exacerbating the situation. So stay tuned. I haven't really put that one into practice like I have the others as much, but I think it will become a regular sentence for me in relationship. Thank you. The story I am telling myself is, do you want comfort or solution? Maggie Smith said, if you don't know Maggie Smith, look her up. She's just um, really brilliant and lovely. And I'm just really um, kind of binging on her right now on her words. She says, do not stop at the wall looming before you. Make a door, make a door wide enough, not only for you, but for others. So that's what these little phrases are. They're doorways. And we need more doorways and so many less walls, less hinting and hoping and more of the clarity of an honest conversation, the ground truth, being willing to be in the rub of accepting somebody's apology. And then we let them hold the friction too. Like I should have let Charlie hold the friction too, finish his sentences, complete his cycle of healing by getting it all said. In general, I think it's the only way that we're going to repair ourselves. And people cannot really care for you unless you're honest and clear and that that part's up to you. Special thanks (laughs) to Mrs. Cranchus, who I still see on Facebook. Mrs. Cranchus, I love your food and your cooking photos. And I now understand that the look you gave me is not the same as you screaming at me. And it took me many years. I get it after all these years. You are a treasure to your students. So thank you. I hope that these phrases will put into place an ease for you. Something that gives your human relationships a little bit more space. They can go such a long way. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. If you're interested and would like to support this podcast, you can go to the Patreon link on the show notes. The minimum ask is, is only $5 a month, and you get a bonus episode each week, a practice to go along with, um, with these stories. It's a really sweet way to help me keep the lights on artistically and to, to keep putting these out. Um, also, a note about the playlist that Matt makes for each week. He sometimes is a little late um, because he tends to like to listen to the podcast recording that I do before he builds the playlist. So generally, he's like a week behind. So some of you have written to me and said, I can't find the the playlist for last week. And it's because he's not quite caught up yet. So give him, you know, kind of a week lag time to get those posted. Um, And the things that will help profile on Spotify, you can follow and that way you can get um, those as soon as they come out. And it's a really sweet collaboration that we've enjoyed 
this whole year. Thanks, everybody. Have a beautiful day. Mm-hmm.